Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcasts of the Running Book Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am joined not by Dylan Hughes this time. I am joined by my good friend, Caleb Lynn. I'm Alex Burr. I need to be saying that. Um, Caleb, in the tradition of throwing a curveball, when you expect a fastball, I know the answer to how you're going to answer this question. Okay. But is Barry Bonds a Hall of Famer? Crap. The definition of a curveball. Um... Yeah. Okay. Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. That's all you got? That's all you got? I think, I, I think, no, I just, I think what he was able, like, I get it. Like, you know, the PD crowd, like, certainly got their uproar. And I'm obviously a big fan of the integrity of the game. But, like, I do think that. I mean, a guy like Bond's case, what he was able to do, I just, for me, I think, I think he, I just think he deserves, I mean, the way that the offensive game, his power, the way he changed the game, I just, for me, I think he deserves it. I used to not be though. I used to not be a big Bonds guy, but now I'm, I'm getting more positive, Alex. I'm not, I'm not being Mr. Grinch. I, I think, I think Bonds, I think Bonds should get in. I, I'm really proud of your growth. Thank now you. here's now here's the real million dollar question when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Go ahead. Are Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez Hall of Famers? Manny Ramirez is not a Hall of Famer, and don't he shouldn't even be mentioned in the same conversation as Alex Rodriguez. Not not even not even in the same conversation. A A Rod A Rod probably should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't have to agree with a lot of what he did, but he probably should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Manny Ramirez has a case to be one of the greatest oh, right-handed hitters of all no, time. Miss, 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 come on, come on. What are you talking about? No, miss me with Manny. Man, Manny's, Manny's, Manny's fine. He's just not on the same. He's just not in the same set. And he's not Alex Rodriguez. He's not in that magnitude of esteem. He's not. He's not. I mean, listen, career three twelve hitter. <laughs> 411 on base percentage, two of the most important stats, 585 slugging, you know, slugging is whatever, 555 career home runs. I mean, that stretch he had, I mean, basically from 95 to 2007, eight was probably the most feared hitter in baseball. Like that wasn't Barry Bonds. I don't know, man. It's tough. He's very good. I just th- I just think I'd take a rod over him. That's all. More more that's, consistency, probably more consistency. That's that's fair. I I mean, they're all Hall of Famers. A lot of steroid allegations in Plenty. the current class. You know, you have Clemens. You have I don't even think McGuire and Sosa are on the ballot anymore. I think they're they've been off for they've been retired for too long. But. Those guys probably should have been in. Here's my thing, right? Yeah. If you can't tell the story of the game without a guy, then he needs to be in the Hall of Fame, right? Mm. Like, Clemens Mm. had some of the most important moments in baseball over the past, you know, 35 years. You know, he was involved in the 85 World Series, which technically, now that we're out of 2021, was more than 35 years ago, but you you get what I'm saying. No, I get you. Clemens, you know, multiple 20 strikeout games, you know, through the bat at Piazza, just like culturally relevant, right? Yeah. Now, a guy like Brady Anderson, Rafael Palmero shouldn't snip the Hall of Fame. Right. But yeah. 
in general, if you change the game or if you have if you had a, a serious impact on the game of baseball or any sport, you should be in the Hall of Fame. That's totally. why Chris Chris Weber should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time. Basketball Hall of Fame a long time ago. Yes. Especially since it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. His NBA career was, you know, good, not great. <laughs> but he was on the most impactful college basketball team ever. Correct. <laughs> so he, I, I don't know. The Hall of Fame is a fascinating subject. And I think that's something we can maybe do a podcast on one day. But that is not why we are here today, Caleb. There's been several going ons in the basketball world. The All-Star game is rapidly approaching. And we're here to do All-Stars. But before we talk about All-Stars, there's some some news and other stuff I want to talk to you about. Um, Alex Caruso. Um, you might've seen this, Caleb. He had a little bit of a tumble against the bucks, you know, Grayson Allen was involved. It wasn't the greatest play, um, from our guy Grayson. I'm trying to be kind here because I know you're about to rip into Grayson Allen. Um, but Caruso in, fractured his right wrist on that fall. He basically Grayson Allen went up for the block and then added a little extracurriculars on there by yanking him out of the air. And that threw Caruso on the ground and fractured his right wrist. And he will be out for six to eight weeks. And Caleb, we could talk about the impact on the bulls. This will have in just a second, but just, I, I know you have something for Grayson Allen. So let's, let's just hear it. I'm going to, well, I, I do, I do. I do have some, I, I think, I think when you're talking about Grayson Allen, I mean, at this point, you know, I just don't, I just don't understand why we're just going to, skip over this and act like it's not a big deal. The past is there with him and not to mention, I think the part that Alex points out, yes, he certainly gives him the hard foul, but it's like, dude, he he pulls that arm back. Like he's freaking Jenny Finch with the softball looking to take back, take out Crusoe on the second whip like this to me, to me, nobody talks about that. And the fact is, and the fact is Grayson Allen continues to make plays like that. If Grayson Allen continues to, to have this, going for him. It was the proper decision to suspend him. It's what should have been done. And when you're looking at a guy like this, like I, can, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard to sit there and, and justify the amount of times that this is happening to him with him being the aggressor. You know, it's, it, to me, it is not just dumb luck. I, I mean, there's something there. I mean, it's hard to explain exactly what that is, but I mean, I just don't think we can skip this over. I think he, he, I, I, I'm just not a fan of the, I'm not a fan of the play. I'm not a fan of the, you know, a fan of the action of what he did. And I think, I mean, look, I, I think it absolutely, I think he could have handled that a little bit better in terms of the, the play with the foul there, you know, rather than going for the Jenny Finch. I, I, I'm not a fan of it. It was a bad play. I'm not going to dispute that. My thing is, is they need to be consistent across the board in doling out punishments for these. And I do think that there was room for for Grayson Allen to be suspended more games. Let me just say that because yeah, 100%. I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, he did nothing wrong. He did something wrong. But we saw over the week, Bucks fans are pointing out on Twitter that, you know, THT had a foul like that on J- Jalen Suggs. Yeah. You know? Um, Kelly Oubre had a play like that on who, who was that on? I don't remember. Kelly Oubre had a play like that though. Yeah. In one of the games in the past week, like it happens. It's basketball where I think Grayson for, Grayson has a couple of things going against him. First of all, he ha- is Grayson Allen. <laughs> this hasn't happened since Duke, but 
Grayson Allen's barely played a season and a half worth of games since he left Duke. He's at 126 games. Wow. So since he left Duke, like before this year. Wow. This year he's played in a, not all of the Bucks games, but pretty close to it. So they have, you know, he's been more of a regular guy this year. He's been in the Bucks rotation. He's already almost played as many minutes this year as he did last year in Memphis. Mm. And we're halfway through the season. Um, he has that reputation going back to Duke. And then the other factor is, is that Caruso fractured his wrist. Right. So Jalen Suggs didn't fracture anything. Thank God. No. You know, um, whoever Ubre fouled didn't get injured. Thank God. No. Yeah. But I think another parallel to this, and this guy probably should have gotten more games too. Jokic probably should have gotten more games for what yeah. happened to Markeith Morris. Yeah. Because he hasn't, Markeith Morris hasn't played since then. No. And that happened in November. Right. And I think I advocated like, you know, Markeith kind of had it coming a little bit and maybe he did, but uh, Caleb, you know, in our text messages, I have not been afraid to, uh, <laughs> to criticize Adam Silver. Sure. I think Silver saw what was going on under Stern, right? Stern, was very, you know, like, okay, I'm going to suspend you. We can't have this kind of stuff, right? Stern right. was also in charge for Malice in the Palace, so he had you know, a more obvious reason to do this. I think there's a line, right? And I think Silver is going too far in the other direction from Stern <laughs> because I think you need to hand out a little more punishments to try to rule out dangerous fouls in the air yeah. like this. Yeah. And they're going to happen, right? It's basketball. You're going to hit somebody from behind, you know, flagrant one, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think Grayson probably should have gotten five games. He, he's, he, you know, here's the thing I look to Alex, when you're talking about situations like that, it's like, if you, so to me that it's, it's just, it's, I mean, I don't mean to disrespect Alex Crusoe. Okay. But if LeBron James is making that play, Right gets into the lane, Grayson fouls that hard. He's getting five games. I mean, he's getting five games. Like when you foul a player of that magnitude, the NBA will be like, well, okay, we'll just, we'll just suspend it five years. Cause like, they don't want that to happen to LeBron James. They just, I mean, with they just probably, they probably think in the greater scheme of things, Alex Caruso is not, I mean, he's not as useful as LeBron James to them. He's not making, he's not profiting the LeBron James money. He's not, he's not doing that. He's a, he's a good role player. And to me, I agree, Alex, if this happened to certain players, the punishments would go higher. And because it happened to just a role player, it's one game. People don't think it's that big of a deal. But if, if that was a superstar type player, Alex, that was in Alex Crusoe's shoes, and had a fractured wrist, there is no question in my mind he gets five games. No question in my mind. Yeah, especially with his reputation, he might get 10. Maybe. Like, Maybe. But I think the reputation is what got him the suspension even, like more so than it being, you know, an injury from Caruso. Because Grayson hasn't done anything like this in the NBA. And to be fair, this is much more justified. What he did against Caruso is much more justifiable than what he did at Duke. At Duke, he was like, for lack of a better term, he was just being a jackass. Like, just, he was tripping guys. There's no place for tripping in an NBA game. This wasn't that. That being said, there's a line, and he crossed that line. It doesn't matter, you know, like, just because his intent, his intent wasn't the same doesn't change the fact that the foul was bad. But I think he's 
based on the NBA's recent standards, he's kind of being like, this is my thing. He's kind of being overpunished by their standards. I think they need to make mm. their standards tougher mm. so that that way it, it looks better when something like this happens and you can be like, okay, and maybe not even five games, five games might be right. a little excessive, but like three games, I think three games for something like that. I think that's more than reasonable. It discourages fouls like that and it makes the game a safer place. They got it. They got to set that tone. They they got it. They got to set the tone and they got to set some, some consistency, man. I mean, this is, it's, it's too all over the place. I agree with you. Silver's got to have more, more, honestly, more discipline. He's, he's got to be able to stick to his guns a little bit more uh, because I, I just think they're, they're sitting there and just picking and choosing too much on these punishments. There's got to be some strong, like conviction. And when I think of the NBA and punishments, I do not think of conviction. I think of flexibility and that's, that's got to get fixed. And, you know, and it's, it's got to get fixed in multiple examples, not just, you know, the Grace Allen and, and, and Crusoe ideal. I mean, it's just, there's got to be some consistency across the board. I, I agree, Alex. It's just, it's way too flexible. Way too flexible. I think this will be something to monitor down the line. Um, hopefully, you know, Caruso comes back full strength. He's a, like, he's a really important piece for the bulls. And he was only back. I think that was his second game back <laughs> Yeah, after a knee injury. So hopefully he comes back safe. The bulls have a lot of guard depth. So we talked about the bulls a lot on the last episode, Sans Caruso. So if you, you are going to want to check that out, if you want to hear more, you know, bulls coverage, but Caleb, you are the running hooks, resident draft expert. I don't really think like, I trust yours and Bryce's opinions, but you really have a commitment to the prep scene. That's, you know, it's crazy. I like, I admire the fact that you know so much about the prep game and there was huge news in the prep game because Shaden Sharp, who was the top prospect in the class high school class of 2023, um, reclassified. He is enrolling at Kentucky. And in fact, he might be eligible for the 2022 draft. In order to be eligible for the draft, you have to graduate high school the year before, which he did, the year before the new NBA season starts, which he did. And then you have to turn 19 in the year which the draft is happening, which he is. So, but there's also conflicting reports because not conflicting, there's reports strongly saying he's going to sit this out, not join the draft this year and be in the 2023 draft and play at Kentucky this year. Caleb, just before we get, I wanted to have a larger discussion around this, but before we yeah. begin, if you're Shaden Sharp, are you staying at Kentucky or are you for being, are you joining this draft class? Um, man, um, I'm, if I'm him, I'm trying to go to the league, man. I mean, with the way the with the way it's set up with your size, uh, with the size that he has, man, um, the, the, the versatility that he has, I I'm really not wasting time. I'm, I'm going to the league. I mean, the fact is we're looking, when you look at the prep scene, or especially if you're looking at the, you know, what, what you're looking at in those top five NBA picks, I mean, they're big guys and I'm, and that's not a shot, but I mean, we've seen what the big guys are in the NBA, you, you, your most important position. And, and I think you would agree with me, Alex, I know you do is versatility in the wing positions. If you have depth in the wing positions, that is a gigantic key to any big run in, in the playoffs. And I mean, obviously with sharp six, six size, he he's already providing, you know, unbelievably elite talent. If I'm, if I am sharp 
I would probably go pro, but I'm telling you, I also can definitely understand going to college. I mean, I think, I think there's a, there's an argument for both, but it's tough for me to sit there and say, why not go to the NBA? When I think it is very possible, he, he becomes that number one, becomes that number one pick because I, I just, it's that, it's that need in the wing position. Any team will go get a six six player of that talent, and and really that's stardom. Um, I mean, it, when you think about Kentucky and the fact that they've got these freshmen and they're constantly coming in, and he is like doubling their nil. It's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about he what he's doing in terms of gaining money and all of this stuff is pretty insane. Okay, and and I just think if you're if you're sharp at this point. And you're seeing the chance at the number one pick, which I absolutely think he could get. There's, there's just, to me, there's no reason for him to stay, but I don't know. I also think there's a strong case for him to go back. I don't see just based on what you know about Sharp. Where would you like, if you were a GM doing this, would you draft him first or would you draft him behind the other guys? Um, I okay, draft him say- first. No, I, I, no, I, I can't. I would draft him first because I, I think again, I think wings are that important. I think, I think they are that important in the NBA, and I think that you know I like the bigs, and we're going to talk about some guys you know that that you're intrigued with, but I, I think that you know when you're looking at at the needs in the NBA right now, it, there's nothing, there is nothing more important than a wing, and I'm telling you when you look at some of these teams that have the opportunity at the number one pick, a guy like sharp is what transforms them. Okay. If you, like, if you're thinking about a team, so I'm looking at, you know, that athletic article, for example, that you and I talked about, Sam Vicini, let's go. That's a very good article. They detail with that second Kentucky. First NBA team they mentioned is the Orlando magic. You put him on the Orlando magic, it's a big two guard. You're looking at a guy who can have immediate contributions with Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, and Wendell Carter. Do you think the Orlando magic who just paid Wendell Carter are going to want to go back and dive again on a big man when it feels like that's all they've ever done in drafts? <laughs> I mean, no, they're not going to, they're not going to do that. To me, a guy like sharp is would rise to the number one pick. He would rise because at first we would probably say, well, yeah, I mean, he hasn't played college basketball yet. So we'd move the bigs in there. But what I think would happen is he would say, I'm going to the draft, but I'm going to play at Kentucky to prove my stock. And so then what would happen is naturally the progression in the hype would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And to me, I think he would be a number one pick. That's Really interesting. I can't say anything about Sharp. I haven't seen Jabari Smith at all. So the only two I've seen have been Chet and um, Paolo. And we'll talk more about them in a second. But I've been really impressed by both of them. I don't think they'd be bad number one picks for any team to have. But a 6'6 guard or 6'6 wing slash guard is just so valuable right now. Incredibly. And I think, you know, sight unseen... It's hard for me to say because I haven't seen him play basketball, which is why I'm asking you because you know more about Sharp than I do. But I think, and this is the discussion about NIL I want to have. I'll just go ahead and start here. So I looked up the article, Kyle Tucker um, and Sam Vecini co-wrote this article. I wanted to give Kyle credit because I knew, (laughs) I know Sam Vecini wrote it, but I didn't know uh, Mr. Tucker's name. 
this they brought up the fact that Sharp already has several lucrative <laughs> lucrative. <laughs> lucrative NIL deals in Lexington, yeah. which isn't surprising. And that he's definitely they have several people from around him. And I believe Sharp himself saying he is going to play for Kentucky next year. So this is my question, Caleb. Do you think NIL is going to change one and done? The reason being, right, we had a lot of guys leaving, you know, college early. Like, I'm trying to think. Kyle, uh, this is a bad example because he didn't leave college early. Yeah. But Kyle Singler probably would have been a first-round pick in 2010 after they won the national championship. He stayed, and he was a second-round pick for Detroit. But I think the decision to stay would have been a lot more justified had they had the NIL back then, right? I'm trying to think of, like, there are certainly other guys who left – like Josh Primo last year, right? Everyone's saying Josh Primo would have been a lottery pick this year. And, you know, maybe with NIL, I mean, Alabama basketball is not getting it the same way that Kentucky basketball is. Sure. But with the transfer portal, and basically, you know, you can go wherever you want. You can have, like, he could have gone to Kansas this year, probably gotten a big deal from Kansas, who sure. we know is not um, <laughs> unfond of paying, paying players. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. So that's my question, Caleb. Are we going to stop seeing guys, you know, testing out the water so much and maybe like at some of the bigger schools staying back more and making more with the NIL money? Well, I think, well, from a basket, from a basketball perspective, um, in my personal opinion, you cannot like we've, we've seen, Right. I mean, I understand we just had the G League. Okay. But like Jalen Green is, as far as I'm concerned, the only guy who's from that class and Kaminga, you know, those two guys from that G League class are probably going to be the only ones that really have a lasting impact. And those were the two guys, by all respects, that everybody said, yeah, it makes sense they're going to the G League. It makes sense. You need the college basketball game. Isaiah Todd should not have. I'm sorry. You should not have gone to Geely. Nick should not have gone to Geely. They were not good enough players to do that. They, they just weren't. They needed the college game. I think more players need a college game than, than, than people want to admit. And, and I think particularly more than NBA guys want to admit because they want to have them under their control. It's, it's important for them to be in those type of environments. It's, it's just, it just is. Like It's a way for them to grow. I think there's a little less pressure on you. And I think that helps you overall develop in your game. And then when you get to the NBA, it's, it's obviously it's a big jump and there's no denying that, but I just think it's, it's a going from high school to the professional game in this day and age, in my personal opinion, I think there's going to be less of that. We will see more guys stay in college. Um, I think there's a chance we will see more parity in college basketball because of the NIL. And I, I think, I think there's, you know, we'll see, we'll see that. I, I do. I think the one and dones are definitely affected by this. Absolutely. I think the top one and dones are going to like, if you're guaranteed a top five contract, <laughs> like yeah. Markel Fultz in year four was making $12 million a year. Right. And that was the 2017 draft and his rookie contract was over last year. The last year of his rookie contract was last year. Right. So, It'd be dumb if you're guaranteed to be the first pick. It'd be dumb not to do that. But I think for like 
I'm trying to think. I know Jaden Ivey's Jaden Ivey's a sophomore this year. Yeah. Right. Yes. Let's just say let's just say hypothetically he was a freshman and he burst onto the scene this year, but he was like mocked to go like ninth or tenth. Yeah. You might make more with NIL than you might on your rookie contract. It's that's a serious thing to consider now. Serious thing to consider. Because and, you Go can, ahead, sorry. Well, no, because I think it's a good point you made. Because now what's the way that you can transfer in and out? If you don't think Purdue can develop your, which, I mean, if you don't think Purdue at the time can develop you into an NBA player, then you can just put your name right back in the portal. And every big school that you want, who's got the eyeballs on you, will pursue you. Duke will pursue you. Kentucky will pursue you. You know, like you, you can make an instantaneous move, Alex, to a bigger school if you rise like that. And like, like you said, I mean, I, the money, the money will follow. Is it like you follow college basketball a lot more deeply than I do? Sure. Isn't the majority of like Kentucky's roster this year guys from the transfer portal? A lot of them are. A lot of them are. They, they really had to recover. They recovered a lot. You just, they had a couple guys, Ty Ty Washington, uh, for people that, you know, are interested in some guys that are in that top 15, top 20 range in, in the NBA draft. Certainly he's in there, but yeah, I mean, a lot of what Kentucky's been doing has been with the transfer portal. Spear Wheeler, uh, Grady, and, you know, Oscar have been the three big pieces for Kentucky. Oscar's the national player of the year transfer from West Virginia. I mean, like he's right in that category. Kentucky is a T Kentucky is absolutely more reliant on the transfer portal. I think Calipari is going to take advantage of it. Not even from the one and done perspective. I think he is a guy that will take advantage of it from guys that are really good. Their sophomore junior year, move them into his own program because see Calipari, Calipari and I think other college coaches, elite college coaches recognize the fact that you cannot just win with a straight one and done team. You've got to have some vets around. And, you know, the elite programs will recognize that. I mean, that's and winning increases your stock. That's just a fact of the matter. 100% agree. I mean, does Jalen Jalen Suggs probably goes top 10 last year without making the title game. But it's a lot harder to justify, you know, if they're like, what were they? What did they finish? Like 39 and one. If they go like 30, like. 28 and five and losing the sweet right. 16. Right. Like, right. you know, winning helps a, they see you contribute to a winning team. And I think the beauty of the older players transferring in is that that's kind of like inserting you into a team full of vets. Talk, totally. And so like, let's just, uh, a guy, <laughs> I don't know how much they use the transfer portal last season, but a guy who played with a lot of upperclassmen last year and I owe Right. He played with a lot of upperclassmen last year and he did play with some, you know, young, young yep. rookies, yep. but DeSumo's yep. transition to the NBA has been seamless. Like he is undoubtedly on my all NBA second team right now. Absolutely. It's not, not even a doubt about it. And that's cause he, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that he played with vets and we could go through a lot of guys like this. I think that's sure. gonna, it's going to change the landscape of college basketball yeah. because you know, now you might be incentivized if you're if you're like a low lottery freshman, you might want to stay an extra year, make bank at Kentucky yeah, and then leave. Leave like that might be Calipari's new market inefficiency. Like he was the one who got one and done really kicked like off no, the high majors. Yeah. And 
look at him now. Like Cal, <laughs> he's going to be able to retire when he wants it. He's won one national championship. <laughs> yeah, like he's in control of his own destiny there. So that'll be interesting to watch. I do want to talk about the top three prospects in this draft that aren't sharp because. Again, we don't know if Sharp is going to be in this draft or not, but we do know <laughs> Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, and it's Jabari Smith, right? Just to make yes. sure. Yeah. Jabari Smith Jr. are going to be in this draft class. And they are three tantalizing rookies. Let's hit them quickly before we move on to our all star sure. team. I put Ricky Talk in there, but I think you and I should just do a whole rookie episode at some point. That would be. That'd be fun. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. So let's start with Chet because I'm very fascinated by Chet. I think he's so why don't you go ahead and give us like what Chet's playing style is like and how you value him as a prospect? Well, you know, I think with Holmgren, it's, it's completely unique skill set. Okay. He's able to dribble the ball from the, he's able to dribble the ball from the three. He's comfortable on the perimeter and, and he's an unbelievable finisher. I mean, the size would tell you at seven foot one ninety five that he is not that physical, but I mean, his finishing and his touch around the rim is second to none. I mean, what he, what he basically wants to do is kind of be this just honestly, just this unique chess piece in the sense of he he's going to be able to give you insane positional versatility as the five. He's going to give you insane positional versatility. He's not mobily on defense, but like his versatility allows and, and will make teams really flexible moving forward with how they want to choose their lineups. So when I look at a guy like Holmgren, you know, the other factor to me is, you know, he's a guy that he only shoots about three threes a game, 39% clip from three. Um, I think Chet, Chet, Chet Holmgren, he doesn't, he doesn't make a lot of plays that are just like, dude, what are you doing? Um, I, he doesn't make a lot of plays like that. And sometimes you see that with freshmen and you're going to see that. And I will have that critique with one of the freshmen that we're going to talk about. He, he is a, he's a very, he's just an instinctual player. He's a guy that just knows what he's got to do. And I also think Alex, that his decision to go to Gonzaga is incredibly telling. And it's incredibly telling because Gonzaga, Gonzaga with all respect has not been a place that you sit there and go, Number one picks come out of there and do well. I mean, Mark Few is an elite coach. Okay. I mean, he's he's as good as you can get, but like, that's not a place number one picks go. But that is a place that winning players go. That's a place that somebody recognizes when there's an opportunity to win. And Gonzaga does that at a higher rate than probably almost anybody in the last five years. So to me, Chet Holmgren is. What, what to me, what he shows is somebody that's going to, that's looking to do what he needs to do to win. He's going to adjust to his role depending on wherever he lands. And I just think he's got good efficiency. I, I'm about what I'm about him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a safe player. I think he's a safe player. And sometimes the safe players are the players that are worth picking. And in last year, and in, in our last year's draft, Alex proved that could be the case. Cause I think Evan Mobley was the safest pick last year, Alex. And he ended up, he's probably at this point, number one for most people when you're looking at rookies. I mean, I read in my top 100 and I had Mobley at 53. And I don't think that's totally like, I don't think that's completely knee jerk for me. Like he's been that he's been that good. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really going to be curious to see what Chet does. I mean, the lottery, 
the tankathon odds. I'm gonna pull those up real quick, but sure. I'm pretty sure the, the the Magic are still first. Yeah, the Magic are first. Orlando's or Detroit second. <laughs> the Oklahoma City's third. Houston's fourth. Indiana's fifth. San Antonio's sixth. <laughs> That's how deep the league is right now. I'm San Antonio is not out of it. <laughs> and they're six. No. Yeah. And yeah. Sacramento seven, New Orleans eight, Portland nine, Atlanta ten. So those are the teams that have a real shot at getting the first pick. Yeah. And it'll be fascinating to see. Atlanta's probably gonna fall out of that group. But I it'll be really interesting to see who gets the first pick because there's a lot of different ways they could go. And one of the chat to me before. So before I like, so I can give my very Mm -hmm. rudimentary analysis Sure, is that you're right. The guy's an alien. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. What you said about going to Gonzaga, his high school teammate went to Gonzaga and we saw what he was about. That's why I'm a huge fan of Jalen Suggs. Like Mm. those plays that he made that game winner aside, he, that team doesn't win the UCLA game. Doesn't come close with that Jalen Suggs. And he had like an unremarkable game, you know, by his standards, but he came up with huge clutch time blocks. He came up with huge, you know, assists. Right. And Mm -hmm. the fact that Chet goes there when they have a guy who's more featured at his position, I think that says a lot about him and how he's willing to fit in (laughs) on what's not, you know, quote unquote, his team. I think that says a lot, like you said, and the next guy I want to talk about <laughs> went to the premier program in the country and is running the show. I haven't checked his stats in a while, but I'm sure he's still doing great. Paolo Bancaro. Um, he is ridiculously good. <laughs> but Caleb, what do you like about Paolo Bancaro? I mean, it's it's just his his ability. Like, I mean, he... <laughs> His God, I mean, he, he is, he is, he's, he has got it. Superstar. He's got superstar running on him, man. His ability to, to take you from the, to take you from the three, drive you in. He's athletic, strong, 6'10", 250. That's insane to me. He, he's going to give you so much versatility at the five. He can give you versatility at the four. And I, I think his, I honestly think his defense is really underrated. And when I look at what Bonchero can bring to the table, um, I mean, like I, I, a lot of people have made like a, he's got a Carmelo Anthony style to his game. He's got a Jason Tatum style to his game. And I mean, I would say that's, you know, I think it's cliche and I hate being the cliche guy, but I mean, I do think he's probably, that's the type of skill set you're looking at. You know, I'm not going to compare greatness. Okay. That's unfair to the, the, the kid himself, but like Montero is a, a skill set to me that, you know, points you um, to that direction. But, 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 I, but Alex, you know, I, I said to you when I was looking at Chad Holmgren, I said, Chad Holmgren doesn't make plays that make you question, you know, he, he most of the time he's a, he's a very smart and instinctual player. I think Paolo Banjero is the, it can be the opposite. Makes a lot of, makes some plays that you, that show you uh, just some questions, questions, decision-making wise forces some things in traffic that sometimes aren't necessary um, that I think he absolutely has to clean up uh, in the next level period in the discussion. He's getting bailed out by it now because he's the most talented player on the court, but you, you are not going to be able to do that in the NBA. Um, but, you know, I think the fact that he has that athleticism and the gifts that he has, um, you got to look at him as the top three pick. Um, personally, I think I'd have him number two right now. Uh, but he, he's he's a, he's a great player. Uh, you know, 
if a team got a man, they, they should be jumping for joy. I mean, 6'10", 250, and handles the ball and pulls up from mid-range. Like, right. I mean, Melo, you said it's the easy comparison, but it's probably the closest comparison. It is. It's unfair because Melo had the greatest one-and-done season of all time. I yeah. don't think that's really up for dispute. Like, Melo just was at Syracuse. You know, he made he helped make Jim Beheim not a fraud. Um, so many so many things that Melo did in 2003. Sure. But Paolo is just smooth. The problem so is smooth. that smoothness can appear like lackadaisical, appearing appearing to be lackadaisical, right? Mm-hmm. Which I don't think Paolo is all the time. But no. I told you the first time I watched him, I'm like, I don't like him. He looks like he's not trying hard. But that's just because he's so like smooth and fluid that it just looks like he's not trying hard. Damn. But at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> I mean, we see guys like Caruso who appear like they're trying hard and they are trying hard. Right. So, <laughs> you know, to bring it back to the beginning of the pod, but I think that Banchero is going to be an interesting prospect to watch. I can't wait to see. So, like, I want the Thunder to get him because they uh, have a huge uh, we're doing the thunder this week i watched a thunder game today uh, they're in gaping need of another like shot creator they they just don't have it and i think they could probably contend for wow. the play next year with a shot creator but that's that's a discussion for later this week with you dylan um the last guy caleb jabari smith i don't know anything about this guy what's the elevator pitch on why smith would be a good nba player well alex i think jabari smith is the number one pick Okay. Um, so that's that's the start of my conversation. I think Smith and what he's doing, and then particularly his efficiency, um, is is really remarkable. He's shooting forty six percent from the field. He's giving you about forty three percent from three. There's nothing he can't do. Uh, I think I think what Smith is, what Smith's showing to me is he's showing tons of composure. He, he he's he's taking a team on his own and you know really with Auburn this is not a team with the stacked roster or anything of that nature it, I mean he has been a superstar level talent and therefore putting himself in position to be in this conversation and potentially be the national player of the year in college basketball he he's been phenomenal he's stepping up to the competition he's a guy that's absolutely going to you know do whatever he needs to win you basketball. My, my thing is I, I, you know, I'm looking at 247 sports. I'm looking at some comps, interesting comp for you, Alex, that, uh, you know, Jerry Meyer has said back in 2020, kind of thought this was interesting. Jaron Jackson. So Jaron Jackson type with the skill set Cause he's got, he's got, you know, the ability to potentially be a five man, right. But his body's definitely a four man. Okay. So if, if the key for me would be, can I get, can I get Jabari? Do, do I think that Jabari has the ability to play the five? At this point, he is a four. He is a four. And I don't think he has Boncaro versatility. But I, I think that when you're looking at a guy like Smith, he, is, he has been through the roof right now. There's no denying that. He has been leading Auburn really, really well. And I, I, he is a guy that, you know, at one point the, the debate was, Paolo and Chet. And, you know, you got to, you know, obviously I know it's been getting heated up the last couple of weeks, but you got to put Jabari Smith in that conversation. And to me, I think he's, he's number one right now. I, I, I think he's been really awesome for them. I mean, he is, I mean, shooting 42% from three on five attempts a game, like that's actual volume. My question for you would be, 
how much of his diet is like spot up versus pull up like that that's like an important question to me like is he doing more of his work off of catch and shoot or is he doing more of it like in terms like just in general like is he doing more of his work off catch and shoot or is he like driving is he pulling up like is he doing that kind of stuff more that's that's a good question i i would say i would say more spot up i wish i had numbers um but i mean it's really just going top top of my head but i i would if when i watch him that's how i feel i feel i feel like when you're looking at jabari like that's for me at least that's what stands out i mean he certainly has the ability to pull it back and make some nice moves but i i think for me it's more just kind of he's getting the ball he's smart with the ball he's a threat and he sits there and he pulls up the jump shot it's not it's not how paolo goes about it it's not it's not like that paolo is a guy that when he gets into his three and when he gets into his jump shots he he gets to his area sets you up with some dribble combos and hits the jump. I, I would not say Jabari Smith can do that. Jabari Smith can do that. I do not think that is his go-to thing, if that makes any sense. That does make sense. So before we move on to All-Star, my question for you. If Sharp is in the class, it sounds like you'd go Sharp 1, Jabari 2, Paolo 3, Chet 4. Is That's that clear? That's correct. Okay. And is there anything Chet could do to get to number one? Um... He's got to dominate because you're you're he, he, if you really look at his stat if, if you look at Chet's stats and you look at the competition that he's playing with fourteen and nine, I I'm, I need those numbers to go up, particularly the scoring. I want the numbers I got. I need the I I would need the numbers I would need the number Alex to be eighteen or nineteen. I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking massive jump. The West Coast Conference, the West Coast Conference is 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 just it's fine. Okay, but Jabari's facing SEC, SC, a lot of balance this year. Duke, I think bad ACC year, but they're better high-level athletes than what Jet than what Chet's facing in the West Coast Conference. It's, it's the truth. And I think for me, it, when you're a guy like Chet, you just have to go dominate. Right. I mean, you're placing Loyola, Marymount, Portland, San Diego, BYU, and you go to a Paolo schedule, you go to a Jabari Smith schedule, and they got Kentucky, they got Alabama, you know, et cetera. And to me, that's the separation of quality of competition that Jabari and Paolo are going to receive, but Chet will not receive. And, you know, I, I understand he had a non-conference schedule, including Texas, UCLA, Duke, and Bama itself. Um, but I still think that the consistency and longevity of facing a legit D1 athletes is important. I mean, that's always been the criticism with playing in at Gonzaga is that totally. is that – you know, they're playing pretty weak competition. Now, BYU is pretty good this year from what I understand. But, you know, that's one team. And there's no way the Pac-12 would ever like Gonzaga join. It's because what's the rage right now? It's college football. That's just the fact. Totally agree. Gonzaga is... I don't even think Gonzaga has football. <laughs> so, if they all do, they're in like F- FCS. They're... Right. 
and probably low tier FCS. So that's mm. never going to happen. But I want to no. see, like, they should just play the Pac-12 one year and just go, like, try to run through <laughs> the Pac-12 as their whole non-conference and see how that goes. But I, I don't think that'll ever happen for a lot of but reasons. It, but they wouldn't want they wouldn't run through the Pac-12 though. Like, I mean, they wouldn't like, I, you know, Gonzaga's Gonzaga's dominant. I'm not saying that, but you know, you put them in power five conference and, and those guys, those guys are not going to be as dominant on a, on a, on a consistent basis. I'm sorry. You, you're again, it's, it's, it's facing high, it's facing high level athletes, high level athletes on a consistent basis and high level def- defenses on a consistent basis and high level coaching high level coaching. And, and to me, that's really the important aspect of this too, is you're, you're getting the best minds in college basketball on a consistent basis with a guy like Paolo and a guy like Jabari Smith. Right. And, and I, and with Chet Holmgren, with all due respect, most of the coaches in the mount in, in, in that conference, Alex, they are leaving, they are getting out of town once they start developing. And, and to me, that's, that's, that's the crit. It is. It's always been the criticism with a Gonzaga prospect. It's always been, and in my opinion, Jalen Suggs is the only one who could justify that not being the case. Um, but you know, when you have a guy like Corey Kispert, I think Corey Kispert, you'd say West Coast Conference. But Jalen Suggs had such a unique skill set at the time that nobody else had. You knew he could play at that high of a level, power five or not. Right. I think Chet. Chet to me has the most questions. He has the most questions and he's going to have to really dominate in his conference. He definitely is. It's, it'll be interesting to see how Chet handles the rest of the year. I'm sure we'll talk more about it next yeah. time we pod together. Um, by the way, Corey Kispert, really solid bounce back after a horrible, horrible start. So shout out to him. Yeah, good for him. We're not talk, We're not here to talk about Corey Kispert today, folks. We are here. <laughs> we are very far into the pod, but well, I don't think we're spending too much time on the all-stars. We're here to talk about our all-star selections for this year. And this has been an, in, a difficult year. Games missed almost can't be a factor <laughs> because it feels like everyone's missed a good amount of games. Yeah. I'm sure you'll have factored it in. Um, but we both picked our all-star teams. We followed the standard all-star format, two guards, three front court in the starters, two guards, three front court on the bench. And then on the bench, you also get two wild cards. And for our sake, because I knew we were going to have some people that were injured and weren't going to be playing the game on our all-star teams. I said, we can name all like replacements for them. So Caleb, let's just start in the East. <laughs> Who yeah. are your first two guards for the Eastern starters? Um, man, you know, I, my first, my first two guards, um, in the East, man, <laughs> again, you know, you could go a lot of different directions, but the one that obviously sticks out career season from for the man is is DeRozan for the Bulls. I mean, you you know, I feel like what he's been doing has been nothing short of sensational. You mentioned it when you talked about the Bulls. You know, he he's been he's been everything they've wanted and more. You know, and and he absolutely deserves uh, the chance to start this game. Uh, my second guy, um, you know, I, I thought about it. I I, I really. I, man, I think you're not going to like what I'm about to do. I think I'm I doubling think, up on Chicago. 
That's not a bad idea. I, I think I, I think I, because because I mean what Levine again what Levine has been doing, um, it's it's been awesome and the competition the competition right I think you would you would probably you could agree with me when you decided it was for me it was is it Demar Levine Harden or Trey Young that was my four and I just was like trying to just nitpick and. Part of me was just like, I, I, I don't know. I think what Levine's doing is more impactful. I think, I think Levine's being more impactful to what they're doing. I think DeMar's being more impactful for what they're doing. And I understand they're on the same team, but I, I, I gave him credit for that. So I started both. I deemed Levine because of the games missed. He is my fourth guard. So our, four, our first four guards are practically the same then because I started Harden. And and yeah, that's, that was third for me. I have to say, it bothers me that DeRozan's being talked about as a guard because he's played nothing but forward this year. He hasn't been a guard yeah. at all. Yeah. But, you know, it's an easy way to fit him onto All-NBA. It's an easy way to fit him right. as an All-Star starter. Right. Because let's be real, if Katie never got hurt, he's not touching the starting lineup. No. For the Eastern Conference. There's no, no way. No. But... I'm Demar's my first guard. I don't really think there's a competition. It's kind of like Julius Randall last year, except you can see this <laughs> sticking in a way you can't see right. Julius this season last year sticking. So he was the obvious first guard. And then I wanted to put Trey in that second spot, but I'm just I, like, yeah, they're 12th in the East. Yeah. They're only two games back of the 10 seed right now, but still it just felt weird to have him in the starting lineup. So he's my first guard off the bench. So that we basically have the first four guards off the bench covered, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Harden, he's having a down season, but his passing is still just ridiculous. Like Unreal. that it covers up for the drop he's had as a scorer. So that's why I, you know, the starting guard quality in the East this year was not up to snuff. But the bench guard quality mm-hmm. <laughs> was very tough. And I'm sure right. both of our, I know both of my wild cards were, <laughs> were guards. And I'm sure mm-hmm. yours will both be too. But I mean, all right, Caleb, if you didn't go with one of these three guys as your forward, I'll be shocked. Katie, Giannis, and Joel, correct? Correct. And we have the Sixers this week, so we'll talk about it. Joel's in his bag right now. He has one of these stretches every year where he just looks like the best player in the world. The fact that he's doing it without Simmons is all the more impressive to me. And I mean, Caleb, he might win MVP this year if they keep this up. Well, you, when you're, when you're looking at a beat, I texted you the sacks. Yeah, I, and I really do believe it. it's the best stretch he's played in his career, man. I'm telling you what he, what he's doing, dominating in the way that he is. Right. And I, my personal opinion, Alex, is you, you individually as a star, you can dominate. Okay. There are stars in the NBA who can dominate individually. They're so gifted and they're so talented individually. Okay. But I want you to guess who I'm going to throw some shade at. But some guys have the ability to make the other players around them very good. And Joel Embiid has made a lot of players at Philadelphia really good. Now, I'm not trying to take shots and say that Philadelphia hasn't, you know, that guys like Tyrese Maxey haven't made jumps. He's completely made a jump. 
I'm not saying that, you know, Embiid deserves all the credit for it. I'm just saying, I think Embiid has an influence to an extent and he has an influence on how this roster is playing and what he is doing right now. Um, one of the best seasons I've seen from a big in an awfully long time, man. And, and unbelievable. It's crazy that the big man was dead. The big man was dead. And now we have two, no doubt, surefire Hall of Famers playing at the exact same time. It is great for the league. Enjoy it. Uh, hopefully they play in a final someday. I, you know, I doubt it <laughs> because things have to go so right for both of their teams. Yeah. But they're both really entertaining to watch. Obviously, the other one is Jokic. Obviously, Jokic is going to be an all-star starter for us. That's not even a discussion. <laughs> um <laughs> It's crazy how good this depth is at the top right now in Carl yeah. Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's crazy how good the center position is right now. It's something I did not think I'd be saying five years ago. Yeah. Like when it seemed like the center was dead. No, the center's just adapted and now they're monsters. Um, KD, did you have an injury replacement for KD? Because he is probably not going to play in the All-Star game. Well, you mean just injury replacement in terms of who I would start? Or you mean injury replacement, just who I would put in. In terms of a player, I'm not going, I didn't do starter, but if you have someone in mind, you'd start over KD or in KD's place. Well, I did not, I did not do, I did not do a starter. I would do a starter if you want me to, but I, I, I am liking Middleton for Durant. I'm liking Middleton in that conversation. You and I've talked about it, Alex. I mean, he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. Uh, I, I, I just think again, his efficiency. He, he, he's been, uh, he's, he's Mister Consistent. And you know, I sat there and I'm like, what am I doing? Uh, not picking uh, dang near Mister Consistent. Uh, I was like, you know, when looking at my rosters, and then when I filled them out, and I was like, all right, I got that spot. What am I going to use it on? I'm looking through the guys, and I'm like, I feel like he's just the safe bet. You can't disagree with Chris Middleton. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't disagree with it, but it's not where I went. I went with Jalen Brown. Fair. That's fair. That's I fair. Went with, like Jalen Brown's just been incredible this year. Yeah. The Celtics don't really deserve two all-stars. The problem is the Raptors don't either. The Cavs, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the Cavs. The Hawks deserve one and only one. Um, <laughs> so the Heat don't deserve two right now because Bam's been hurt. So we both have... Um, you have Harden and Trey as your reserve guards. That's correct. I have Trey and Zach as my reserve guards. That's correct. Reserve forward, I think it's interesting. Uh-huh. So who did you have as your three reserve forwards? Um, so what I what I chose was in in and that's in what just to clarify, we're the three front court, correct? We're doing yes. three three front court. Okay. So I I went, I went in this. I went in this order. I think. I think for me, it's Jimmy Butler. Miami's Miami's number one. I got Jimmy Butler. I got. I got Jared Allen. I got Jared Allen at eighteen, and I got. I got Spicy P. I got Spicy P. Wow. At nineteen, I. I Alex. I. I do not have Jason Tatum as an All Star. I do not. I, I. I think. I think right now Boston is abysmal, and I. I think they're. I think they're completely abysmal. And when you look at the way that team is playing, I cannot justify them. I cannot justify putting an all-star in there. And when I look at Jared Allen, I look at what he's doing and I look at what Spice P is doing. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, like they've elevated their teams. They've taken their teams to another level. They impact both ways. They're, they're not where they are without him. You know, and I'm not saying that Boston, you know, would be 
better without Tatum or anything, but like, my God, like he, is he making other players better? No. Is he putting his, uh, putting his team in, in better positions? Honestly, that's tough to say the, 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 for me, like I, I kind of went with the different three and I understand like, you know, the bigger markets, probably ESPN is going to sit there trash. me. They're going to be like, you're going to not have a boss of Celtic in there. You're not going to have any of this stuff in there. But I don't know. I like these three. I sat there. And I'm like, I think it's who I'm going with. Pascal was the toughest exclusion for me. I had Jared Allen and Jimmy Butler as well. It Like in the order you had them in. And I'm glad we agree on Jared Allen over Mobley because. Yeah. Like Mobley's been great this year, but yeah. Jared Allen's been legitimately like a top six center this yeah. year. Yeah. And he deserves to be rewarded. The Cavs deserve two all-stars, which totally. you probably know who my other all-star for them is going to be based on me saying that I kind of like have a deserve, you know, don't deserve two all-stars. And I just thought the Cavs deserve two all-stars. I, they, I agree. They've been playing really well. And I thought the Raptors didn't and fair or not fair. Oh yeah. Like, and I wouldn't have put Jalen Brown on the team if it wasn't for, you know, him replacing him, replacing KD. That's fair. So like, that's kind of my answer to my own logic there because Jalen Brown's been playing great, but I technically didn't have him on my, my first edition of the team. So I get it. I think Tatum's been, he's still averaging 26 points a game. Like I know he's having a terribly, a terrible drop in efficiency this year, but I, he's just, he's a monster and he had 50 points. What was it last night? We're recording this on recording this very late on Monday night. Yeah. And he had 50 points on Sunday. He's just a monster. Mm. And I, I don't know, like at a certain point, (laughs) you just got to reward the talent. And technically he's playing better than Pascal right now. Pascal's having his, like, I think right now he's having a better year than the all NBA season, but I can't, I don't think I could justify having two Raptors on the team. So that's why I left Pascal off. He was by far the hardest forward to leave off, but Caleb, I'm assuming you're two wild cards. They both have to be guards, right? (laughs) I I went, I went, I went with guards. Um, I, so you'll understand where I'm going then. You'll understand. So I had Darius Garland and, and then I, and then I had, and then I went with LaMelo ball. Mm. Um, I, I, so I did not have Van Bleet. See, so you see. went with Van Bleet. So you, that was your Raptor. I thought for me, I was like, I think I would, I think I would go Siakam, but I mean, obviously I can't, you can't go wrong with Van Bleet. I just, I just said to myself, I go, you know, uh, Cleveland deserved two all-stars period. And, and Garland's efficient. Garland's been amazing this year. When you watch him play, he sticks out. I was, you know, literally watched the game with my brother like two weeks ago. And he was like, dang, Darius Garland's is looking so much better. So much smarter, um, consistent, more active on the screen, you know, just in general being a lot better. And I just think, man, it's the most time you're looking at the, you're looking at the Hornets and looking at what they've done this year. Um, I, obviously, he's got a huge input on that. And I understand, you know, Terry Rozier, great year. Miles Bridges, great year. But, you know, for me, I'm looking at a team that's seven in the play, seven seed right now in the Charlotte Hornets. And I, I just flat out think they deserve I, I just think they deserve it. I think they deserve to have a guy in there. I, I like LaMelo Ball for that spot. I don't blame you. He It was between he and Van Vliet for that last spot. I think we both agree 
our five guards, you know, between Harden, DeRozan, Levine, Trey, and Garland relax. I don't think there's any or any dispute about that. Yep. The reason I went with Van Vliet over LaMelo is because Van Vliet's been a monster <laughs> this year. I saw a stat, you know, Kirk Goldsberry does those stats. And it's like the five most efficient jump shooters this year. Four of them were spot up shooters. And in fifth was Fred Van Vliet, <laughs> who does most of his damage off the dribble. And I'm just like, how? In addition, he is one of the best defensive guards in the league. Yeah, stop. he is. Yeah. And this Raptors, he's their only point guard. He's leading the league in minutes per game right now. So that's that's kind of my rationale is that he's carrying them. And are they good? Are they particularly great? No. No. But you take Fred off this team, they're a lottery team. Whereas if you take Pascal off the team, yeah. they're like 20 and 28. But they're not, you know, <laughs> they're not floundering the way they would be without Fred. And that's kind of, a, you know, a roster flaws because they had, you know, two top 50 point guards last year. Yeah. And now they just have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they like they thought they might be getting something out of tragic. They were wrong. I think they're going to be a team to look out for for a point guard at the deadline. You know, huh. like huh. Yeah. they they need to be because yeah. Fred can't do this. No. <laughs> He's six feet tall. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'll be really curious to see where they go. And my other problem with LaMelo is just that they have a lot of guys doing a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. So their top four scorers, Miles is at 20.1. LaMelo is at 19. Yeah. Terry Rozier is at 18.5. And Gordon Hayward's at 17. And those four guys to me, I'm not saying I love LaMelo a lot. I think those four, you take one of those four out and it doesn't, it's not the same. You know, like they're all kind of on huh. similar levels to me huh. where I think obviously the guards and Hayward are a lot better than Bridges right now. I'd rather have all three of them than Bridges right now, but this team doesn't work without Miles Bridges straight up. Like fair. Yeah. It's I see what I you mean. They're all like kind of tied, like, you know, pardon the pun, but it's kind of like a hive mind thing where True. it's just one doesn't work without the other. So that's, that's kind of my thing with the Hornets, but I don't blame you for having him on the team. He's at 19, seven and 19, seven and eight. Yeah. Like with 1.6 deals <laughs> and the two point efficiency has gone down from last year, but the three point percentage has gone up. He's taking yeah. way more of those. So I don't know. He's, he's sure shown improvement. I wouldn't be surprised if he busts and like not bust. If he like goes supernova in year three, because Chris, like, yeah. I know you listen to the mismatch, but Vernon has this theory where, you know, year two for point guards is the hardest star point guards is the hardest year because they figure you out. You're the top name on the scouting report. Mm. And look what's happening with Ja this year. Ja did not have like the greatest season last year, but once he figured it out in the playoffs, he started to soar. And now he's, you know, probably like he's <laughs> being ridiculous. This year. So, yeah, exactly. The man. So it's going to be interesting to see where LaMelo's career trajectory takes him. I agree. We'll, we'll do Eastern conference honorable mentions at the end of the podcast. Okay. Let's go ahead and get on to the West. Caleb. I would be shocked if our two guard starters for the Western conference weren't exactly the same. Who are your two backcourt starters? Um, I would go with um, a guy named Steph Curry. I don't think a lot of people have heard of him. Uh, he plays, he plays in this team and 
uh, Golden State are, is, are what they called. And uh, they're, they're a team out in, in uh, California. And, and, you know, he's, he's one of the greatest shooters of all time, man. He's, he's, he's just so good. No, just kidding. Steph Curry, is a lock in. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steph Curry, Steph Curry is a lock in the guy. And then I, and then I have John Morant, man. I mean, yeah, me too. Like, you know, it, it, to me, it's, it's those two guys are just clear cut that to me that those two guys have put themselves in positions where um, their, their, their play is off the charts. They're leading uh, their teams and winning, setting the culture. Uh, to me, that I, I I look at all of it, and those two guys are the definition of what I want when I'm picking all star starters. Just straight up, just right off the top. And, and and before I say that, I mean, like I don't. Yeah, I do think it's John Curry, but like I do think Diamonds has been really good this year. I do think Chris Paul's been really good this year, and I do think Devin Booker's been really good this year. And I don't want people to forget that. They have been really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but these two were two of the easiest spots to do because Jaw's just been incredible. I told, I said two weeks ago on this podcast that Trey Young is the second best point guard in the league. And since I, I'm not, I will add John Moran to the one of the people who listens to this podcast because he's just been on a tear. Yeah. Since I said that, like, yeah. And making me reconsider my position, I will wait till the playoffs. <laughs> but. They're both playing incredible right now. And Ja is just, I mean, the Grizzlies, they had that nice little stretch without him, but yeah. they've won more games with him mm-hmm. than they won without him. Yeah. So, and they're the third seed right now. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> like I projected them to be like the, you know, in the play in range, they're right. fighting for a home court in the, like through the playoffs, mm. not through the, actually, no, they're the, all the teams in the West, all the top teams in the West have better teams than the top teams in the East. So if they get the first seed, they'd have the best, they'd have home court through the whole playoffs. So that's what we're fighting for now. Yeah. And it was between Ja and one of the Suns guys. And I, I just went with Ja. Yeah. But yeah. I think we both, I think we're both aligned there. Forward is where it gets interesting. <laughs> So yeah. who were your three front court players for the West? Because I, we're going to agree on two. <laughs> the third, I might throw a curveball for you. Um, hmm. um, so, I mean, obviously Jokic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I'm assuming you got LeBron in there. Um, the, the third, the third that I have, um, for me, it's Draymond, man. He's been a game changer on, on offense and defense. Um, and, and to be honest, what, what he's, what he's given them to me is, is, is just starter level for the all-star game production. Um, and defensively, what he's doing obviously is just ridiculous. Um, when they're winning, he is a gigantic part of it. And I, I just, I had a couple guys that came to mind. I'm curious to see who was that guy for you. Um, but Draymond for me was the third. So I cheated a little bit and I don't know if technically this would slide. I don't know where they have him listed at. Thank God, I had Luca as the third forward. Oh my God. Luca. Okay. They're at the fifth seed right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it really came down to him and Carl Anthony towns. I mean, yeah, I get that. I, and that's the other guy I thought of Alex. I was down to him and Draymond. I get it. I, Luca is doing Luca things. Yeah. He is he did not have the best start to the season. He is shooting horribly right now. But he's still Luka Doncic. <laughs> and sure. that man 
impacts the game in so many ways. I think the fact that they're winning in spite of his like struggles is a good thing because mm-hmm. he's still a monster. We've seen him take over several games this year. Yeah. I just think that when push comes to shove, there's not five players in the West that are better than Luca. I I don't. <laughs> I it, that's my rationale. Mm-hmm. So was it a little bit of a cheat to get more roster spots open? Yes. <laughs> Did I leave Draymond off? Yes. <laughs> I wow. I respect, I respect that you had him on. Wow. Really? I, that was more of like an injury thing. He is. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I get it. I get, I get where you're coming from on that. I, though. I think I they're it. really like the based on the way they handled clay. I think they're really going to slow play his injury just based on like nothing, but watching the way they handled clay. I get that. But that's, that was kind of my theory. Yeah. I should have had him on and just named an injury replacement. In fact, let me go ahead and do that. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm just going to do that. Cause that makes more sense now that I think about it. Cause he deserves to be an all-star, but he'll, he'll be coming off my bench, but still, I think Luca deserves a start. <laughs> I, I do. I'm not changing my mind on that. Yeah. So I get, I get it. Okay. I'm assuming we have the same first two backcourt players for, <laughs> for um, the West. I'm assuming those two are the same. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had what mine, what mine were, I went with, uh, you know, the Suns guys uh, with, with Paul and, and Booker. I mean, I just, to me, again, the, the efficiencies of those guys, the way they've been playing uh, super high level. Um, obviously the Suns aren't where they are without them. They've been insane this season. Uh, I just, absolutely incredible it's like monty williams has just been like opening up his playbook or something like he's like some offensive coordinator with some of the motions and and down screens are doing like to me the suns have been you know you got to put those guys in the conversation those those are my two guards yeah those you could admit i the way i probably should have cheated is i probably should have put booker at forward but that felt disingenuous you know at least you could talk yourself into luca being a forward I don't think you really talk yourself into Booker being a forward, but those, those two were just so obvious. I don't really think there's much need. What you said was the perfect way to put it. I mean, they're just, the Suns are the first seed. They're going to walk into it basically barring health. And it's just because of how good those two guys are. So shout out to them. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming we both had Towns and Gobert as our first two forwards. Who did you have as your third front court player? So this this one this one was uh, interesting. <laughs> this was the hardest one. This one was inter- This was interesting to me because I was sitting there just like <sighs> I, I was I was like I don't I don't know what to do. I was like I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I so you cheat. So you you cheat on the starting lineup with the same guy. So that's where I went. That's where I went with Luca. I was okay. like, that's the safe. I was like, that's the safe bet because like, I can't like Carl Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl, so you had Luca Doncic as a starter. Okay. So I rank, I rank Carl Anthony Towns as my number one reserve big in the West. So I had Doncic fifth in the front court with with go with with Gobert at six, even though it pains me to say that. Gobert at six. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think, I think to me, you know, those. I would, I would have to go in that direction with that pick. 
it's funny that Rudy Gobert missed time and that's his all-star case. <laughs> like they went into an epic collapse without him. And since he's came back, they've, they've gone on to another level. Their record with Rudy Gobert this year is 29 and 13. So it's, that's all you really need to say for him is that he just, he does the same thing every year. And he's ridiculously good. He's ridiculously consistent. I moved Draymond into my final front court spot. Like he would have been higher if it wasn't for the injury. But I, I, I'll just say, um, my replacement for Draymond. I don't think you did one since I don't think I did not. But my replacement for Draymond, I'm doing Brandon Ingram. Huh. I think Ingram, hmm. like since that horrific start they had. Mm-hmm. They've been a 500 team and yeah, they're in the 13th seed or whatever they are right now. Sure. But it's, I think Ingram hasn't had a whole lot to do with that in the games he's played. They're 16 and 20. Okay. One of my favorite things basketball reference does is tell you the record with the guy in the lineup. I think that's a super useful tool, Mm. but I think that Ingram has just been like, he's been a, a, a bastion of consistency the last couple of years. His stats are a little down this year, but <laughs> I mean, the rebounds are the same. The rebounds actually went up. The assists are practically the same. The per- the efficiency is a little down, but he's just one of the best players in the West and he never gets recognized for it. Yeah. And if this, there was a year for him to make the all-star game, this is the one. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't follow you for that like that because I mean, that the injuries surround that conference, right? I mean, you got, you know, obviously like a lot of people threw Davis, you throw Davis in, or, um, you know, I was looking at maybe like a DeAndre Ayton type. I was looking at, uh, you know, you, you go through the list. There's definitely guys you can put in there, but yeah, I mean, it, it would have been his year, honestly, you know, I can't, I don't think you can go wrong with putting Ingram in there because like his value to them is just so crucial. Like now, granted, I mean, I think it's because the roster blows, but I think that Ingram is, I think that Ingram is, is obviously a huge part of just them actually being able to sustain and not look like some team that needs a fire truck to go over there and just blow off the Pelicans smoothie King. Of Rain. I mean, they started like one in 15 and they're 18 and 30. <laughs> and I think a lot of that has to do with how good Ingram has been. Yeah. And I, I think he deserves a lot of recognition. And yeah, they don't have a good record right now. No. But when he's played, they've been a 500 team. Yeah. Or not a 500 team, like a 450 team. Yeah, which isn't that big of a difference in, you know, four games. No. So it's tough. I, I understand why you might not think Ingram might not deserve to make it. But that that's just my opinion. I always love yeah, I Ingram. It. I get it, man. But I'm assuming we both have... Diamond Mitchell for our first wild card spot. Correct. Okay. Correct. Who is your second wild card guy? Good. Um, this was the hardest. The wild cards were the hardest. I mean, so many guys you could put in this. So I had such a difficult time with it. Uh, but Alex, you know me enough. You know me enough. Okay. I the the most slept on season in the league right now, Anthony Edwards. Slept on season. Slept on season. People been snoozing alarm on my man. They've been snoozing it so much. They're like, oh man, should I check it out? Should I check him out? Nah, forget about it. Forget about it. It's Minnesota. Forget about it. Anthony Edwards to me, um, off the charts. His efficiency's been off the charts. I've been loving what he's been doing. I would put him in as my wild card. So 
I went a different direction. Go oh, okay. okay. I went so I had Paul George on there because I thought oh. for what he did for the Clippers, he was incredible. But mm-hmm. I put Paul George on there because I knew I could use an injury replacement. No, oh, you smock. Well, I think you'll like my injury replacement because it's the same spirit of the pick you had with Edwards. It's a guy who's having a terrific season and is being incredibly slept on. And of course I'm talking about DeJounte Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let me just pull up his basketball reference page because he is being like, he's playing absolutely out of his mind this year. Uh He is taking over the first option role. He's taking three and a half more shots a game than he did last year. And his efficiency, he shot 45% from the field last year, shooting 44.9% from the field this year. So barely a drop. He is averaging 19, 19 points, 8.5 yeah. rebounds, nine, yeah. nine assists, two steals. <laughs> he is shooting. He has improved his three point efficiency barely, but still he is making more threes. Yeah. He is just a monster. A total monster. And that Spurs team without him is like, I thought they were going to play be like firmly in the, you know, top three of the lottery discussion. They're not. And the only reason is DeJounte Murray. Like he's been outstanding this year. Totally like agree. career year. <laughs> I, I, wanted to sh- I wanted to shout him out because he deserves it. He's been a great player for them, but that's, mm-hmm. that's been my pick. That's my pick for the last spot. Let's go through some of our honorable mentions real quick, because there's a lot of good ones, but there's also some, I'm going to be honest. I didn't consider Bradley Beal this year at all. Mm. And he was an all-star starter last year. I th- want to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was a starter, but he should have been a starter. I think he was. And he's just like, they have a lot of guys in Washington, a lot of mouths to feed. And he's, yeah. his numbers have taken a fall off. He fell from 31 to 24 points a game. And if he's not scoring, there's not really much else he's doing for you. So that's why I didn't really consider him. Um, I had LaMelo, Terry Rozier, obviously Pascal Siakam. And then I had Mobley, Lowry, and then Chris and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, I think I would have mm. as the Bucks' second all-star over Chris this year, just because he's been that good. But I could see, I don't, I'm not mad at Chris because Chris deserves an all-star selection. But, and then in the West, I had <laughs> not as many because there's so many guys hurt. Yeah. Aiton was honorable mention. Wiggins was honorable mention. And then <laughs> Edwards was one of my honorable mentions. And then Jared, <laughs> which... I love Jaron. When he's an honorable mention, that's a bad sign for how injured everyone in the West is. What are, were your honorable mentions? Shay, man. I, oh, yeah. I mean, I I think I, that was my that was my top. Like Murray and Shay topped it for me, man. I had a nightmare time going with which guy I was looking for and which one I wasn't. I had a hard time with with him because I mean the Thunder haven't been obviously they've been the Thunder very rebuilding team they're showing but like man like a great season a great great season and you know like I I had Murray in there I mean again those two are the top the tops to my list um you know Jalen Brown a guy I did not have but certainly obviously in that case uh Tatum a guy I had you know, in the conversation, certainly. Andre Ayton was a guy I had in that conversation. Anthony Davis was a guy in that certain conversation. I, I thought, to me, those are the guys that really kept going through my head. Um, you know, it just, it was, it was a, the challenging part for me was the West Guards. Like, that was the most challenging. And, like, I feel like, you know, each guard that I left off is going to make me pay. 
Like they're going to make me pay. It feels like they're just going to come to my house and be like, dude, just give us our freaking money. Like, <laughs> because I feel, I feel that way. Like the West guards were like, that was so hard. That was, that was the hardest part. I'd say the hardest part for me was the other direction. It was finding three extra front court players in the West. That is hard to do right now. I get that. And the fact yeah. that like Wiggins and Jaron, like I, I like both of them a lot as players. You know, I'm yeah. very much on the Jaron Jackson fan club. Yeah. I'm not excited about Jaron Jackson as an all-star. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how concerning the death is. But also you could like, if Memphis had a second all-star, it'd be Jaron. Like he's been totally like, I, I say all that, but he's averaging like, you know, two blocks a game. His last 30 games, he leads the NBA in blocks. <laughs> <laughs> which is he's been ridiculous and he's been making clutch threes. His three point percentage has fallen off a cliff, yeah, but, yeah. but he's still great, like in his own way. And I think once he figures out, like they have played with their whole team, like maybe five times this whole year, mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks has been very much in and out of the lineup. So I'll be really curious to see what goes on with that. But Caleb, do you have any other all-star thoughts before we wrap up for the night? I feel this was a good and productive pod. It was. I mean, just, I think, I think, man, like we got to think about just, just the enjoyment of like doing this, man. Like the depth of talent. Like I forget about this and I, and I, I haven't done one of these in a very, like a pod in a very long time. Like I'll do it for fun, but like, I haven't done this in a long time on a pot, but when you do it for something like this, you just recognize all the talent you got to pick from. Oh, there's and no doubt. The, the NBA, the NBA has a great set of stars right now. Like you can turn on a game and you can be like, boom, like I'm getting this guy, this guy, this guy, and they're recognizable and they're good and they're getting better, which is the scary part. Most of these stars are, are just getting better. They're not like at the peak of their, they're not just here at their career. They're not plateauing. Most of the guys you and I talked about, Alex, are going upwards in their trajectories, which is, which is absolutely insane. So my big thing is people you know, who are just not looking or not trying to watch right now, which I get it. Like it was hard. I had a difficult time watching with all these COVIDs and and uncertainty of rosters. But now when it seems like hopefully the NBA has a decent idea on the, on COVID, I think the league will be in a good place. I think that's a really good way to wrap it up. Um, If you want to hear more Caleb Lynn this week, Make sure you listen to this week's Insanity. Some one of the best weekends of football of our lifetime. It's not really up for discussion. So you're gonna want to hear what he has to say about this last weekend. Um, I don't think any coaches get the sack for the last weekend, Caleb. I don't. I'm gonna be honest. I will. I will. I will comment. Listen on Insanity. Make sure you listen to Insanity. <laughs> make sure you listen to. Uh, if you're watching the show, make sure you're listening to Zach Griffith's book of Boba Fett. I'm not going to discourage you from listening if you don't watch the book of Boba Fett, but I'm not trying to get that spoiled for me. So no offense, Zach and Bryce. No, no offense. I love you guys. You, they're both very dear friends, but I, I just can't do that to myself. Shout out to my co-host. Shout out to your co-host. Yes. <laughs> and then, yeah, make sure you check out the power hour this week. Our teams are the Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers, Sixers, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. We are going to have an announcement on that one. So you're going to probably want to listen to that one. Oh. And yeah, Caleb Lynn. I want to thank you so much for joining me. This was a great episode. That dude, I I love it. I love it. It's the first time I got it's the first time I got on the record 
with 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 NBA this season, which is absolutely nuts. I've been dominating Bryce like he's some peewee football player, and it was nice to be able to sit there and and have some very good NBA conversation. It really was. Thank you, and I want to thank the audience so much for listening. 